Hear the word of our Lord from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, beginning in the first verse. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain." On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether, then, it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Old Testament for this evening, our Old Testament reading, is from Exodus chapter 20, beginning in the first verse. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant 
or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been going through the Ten Commandments. Why? Because as we've covered, and as I am going to mention for every single Lenten Wednesday night service, the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians delivers of first importance the gospel which St. Paul received and communicates to the Corinthian church, which means he also communicates it to us. This is the proto-creed of the church, and the very first article of this proto-creed is that our Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. But we are not going to have an understanding of what that means, of whether it's all sins, or some sins, or some manifestation of sins, or if it is excusable sins, or inexcusable sins, unless we really dig into what God's law says. What does his morality say is a sin? Now clearly it is for all of our sins, and we praise our Lord God for it, but he who is forgiven much loves much. So we learned on the very first night, that we have an intolerable addiction to idolatry. First and foremost being idolatry of the self over and above God. Every time we violate one of these Ten Commandments, we say to God, I'm God, not you. You can be as all-powerful as you want, but I know better than you. We looked at the second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, in which we have all false teaching, all magic, the magic with a K, all sorts of false doctrine, and every single time we sin as a Christian, we have that name Christ put upon us as a Christian, and we besmirch that name whenever we sin. We give God a bad reputation. We looked at the Sabbath day and what it truly means to live in the rest that is Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we looked at honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And I spoke about how this commandment is the one first that we argue with. If you have noticed that last week we had 20 or 22 participants in this stream, and this week we have 12, last week was probably the reason for it. Because everybody in their heart wants to argue with the holy fourth commandment and say, I don't have to obey what I don't want to. I don't have to honor what I don't want to, especially if I don't like them. And then we act surprised when our children do the same. These are all sins for which Christ died. But we could all say, over these first four sins, that we don't like those sins very much. 
I don't like idolatry. I see what idolatry has done to me. I see what it has done to my friends and to all unbelievers. I hate false religions in the world. It is all pagan to me. I despise it. I can say that. We look at the second commandment. Do not take God's name in vain. And I can say confidently, I want my God's name to be treated as holy. I want to honor him in my conduct. I want to honor him with my speech. I want to give God a good reputation and name, and I do not wish to misuse his name with false teaching. So I can loudly proclaim, maybe with a bit of self-righteousness, that I am very careful with each sermon I preach, with each thing I say, with each piece of doctrine that I teach, I am eminently careful. And I'm sure we can all say the same. Ah, you sh shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Of course, you shall sanctify the holy day. And I love God's word. I would hate myself if I despised God's word. Wouldn't we all? Of course, we can say this. And we can say that we covet the rest that is in Christ. We know we're sinners. But we don't want to sin in this fashion. And then there's honor your father and your mother. And boy, you know, even if my parents were bad, I still hate the thought of parents being dishonored, when they're good anyway. And look at that, the promise there, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Of course, everybody wants long days. They want a good life. They want the blessings that God promises when one honors his father and his mother. We all love the fifth commandment. And by that, I mean, we love violating it. Is there a man here who would say that he does not celebrate murder even a little bit in his heart? What is all of our media telling us? Whenever we go out to watch a movie, I just re-watched Boondock Saints because somebody made a very generous donation asking if I should watch it and what is that movie but a gigantic celebration of murder. Even the bad guys in that movie are just a little cool, a little relatable. We love violence. We love murder. Oh, yes, we do. And we do try to be self-righteous about it. Oh, we definitely, as the average man, we, we would never cross the line and kill somebody who didn't deserve it, right? Oh, no, I just wish that I didn't have all this red tape so I could give the criminals, the pedophiles, the terrible people out there what's for, what they deserved. I could say I wish I could just buy a gun. Mm. We all have that thought. And I'm sure we have all had that thought about entire groups of people. We've all been so angry at certain groups, certain demographics anyway, where there's a part of our soul that says, I wish they were all dead. Total expletive death. That's the meme that's been carrying around some weight these days. And that reflects an earnest desire in people's hearts, even if they claim that they are speaking only in jest. Christ died for the fact that you want to kill your neighbor. He died for the fact that you want to kill your enemy, too. Christ died for the fact that you want to kill people, whether or not they are your enemy or your neighbor. Now, to be fair, there are certain... Lutheran groups right now that think pattern recognition or loving your own people is 
a violation of this command because of course they believe this means that automatically you want to slaughter all of them and that's just not the case. But you see they love saying that because they don't understand just how expansive this command is and just how much we love to kill. They feel righteous if they can say, oh, it's those prejudiced people over there that like good schools or whatever. Every time you speed in your car, every time you surpass the speed limit, you are violating this command. Do you like your V8 engine? Do you wish you could do more than 55 on the highway when it says that? And you know you have places to be. You have put your life at risk. You have put the lives of others at risk, and for what a little bit of convenience. But you like it. You like the way it feels when you go fast, not caring about human life. It may feel like the speed limit is unreasonable, but the fact of the matter is, you shall not murder is a mistranslation. It really does mean you shall not kill, and that means putting people's lives at risk, failing to promote life, harming people for life, or even injuring them in a way that is not justified, and of course, being neglectful. This is why in the book of Deuteronomy there is a command to put parapets, guardrails, on the roof of your house, in case you or anybody that may be visiting you, if you go into the rooftop in Judea to get away from the heat inside the house and enjoy a nice cool breeze in the evening, nobody falls off and dies. I apologize to say it for some industrial workers. This means that OSHA is biblical. But we are commanded not only to abstain from the wrongful taking of human life, but also to maintain and uphold life itself. If these misguided Lutheran authorities understood the gravity of this, if they actually read their large catechisms, maybe they would have bigger fish to fry than condemning the person who crosses the street in the middle of the night when they see a certain group of people not too far off. Maybe they would be doing the speed limit. Maybe they would be washing their hands when they use the restroom. Maybe they would be going out there facilitating their children's lives as good parents, making sure that they are eating well, their, ch their children are eating well, that everybody is healthy, because this command also means that you shall not kill yourself, whether through an act of intention with a bullet in a gun, in the barrel in your mouth, that kind of suicide, or the slow suicide of refusing to care for the body that God gave you. You are not promoting human life if you do not take care of yourself. You are not promoting human life if you do not take care of those who depend on you to do it. Oh, but it's so much easier to say that Oh, if I hate my neighbor, uh, that means that it's murder. So I can do all of this other petty violation of the fifth commandment. And I feel great. I feel righteous about myself. Oh, I am sure these people love that justification. But with that said, 
every time we do something intentional through neglect that harms ourselves or our children or our friends, every time we do not promote their health, we violate this commandment. Every time we desire for somebody to die or to be harmed or to take food out of their mouth because we are so offended at what they say, we are not promoting life. Instead, we're harming it. We are violating this commandment. And indeed, it is true. Murder is a form of hatred. Our Lord Christ does say whoever is angry with his brother, hates his brother, has committed murder in his heart. Indeed, we ought to be careful not to hate in an unrighteous way. But the bulk of this commandment is about life, not attitudes, emotions, and dispositions. The people who say that you are a discriminator, a bigot, a prejudicial jerk, whatever, those are people who refuse to obey this commandment in what it is actually saying. And they heap sins for which Christ died more and more on the pile. So do we all. Indeed, again, Every time we harm ourselves, every time we harm another human being, every time through our own neglect and feeling like it's just okay when we do this, we're committing murder in one sense or another, or at the very least killing if it is not actual murder. In France, there is a catacomb in Paris. I don't know, ironic that we should be bringing up catacombs with the meeting of the catacomb synod. But there is indeed a large, sprawling tunnel of bones there. And I wish in every American city we had one of these catacombs. Because we do that. Every single child that's aborted should be in one of these catacombs. And every single citizen should be forced to walk through it. The bones of the dead, old people, they should be there. The bones of children that pass away too early, they should be there. The bones of every murder victim, the bones of every suicide victim, quote-unquote, it's more like a suicide perpetrator, the bones of everybody who dies ever in the United States should be put on display, not as a memento mori, mind you, in the catacombs of Paris, it says, Memento Marie. They have verses from the scripture to remind us that we too one day will die. But no, that is not how it should be in the United States or anywhere in the West. Instead, we should have a big fat sign on every single one of these that says, you did this. For indeed, we love killing. Oh, we do. Because we don't take this seriously enough. We have a heroic medical care system. Sure. They're profiting off of medicines that are not cures, so they allow people to die. They just let it happen more slowly and with greater suffering. In this country, we ruined people's lives through the, the practice of lobotomies, where we ruined people's lives again, didn't give them actual treatment for any illness they had. We just figured that if we turned them into invalids, that that would get the problem solved. Essentially inflicting mental death on people. We inflict poverty on people. 
We've sent our soldiers out to go kill people that should not have been killed, blowing up their cities. And we think ourselves patriotic. Every catacomb, real catacombs, not just a catacomb synod, there should be a real catacomb in every single city in the United States, every single village, with a sign that says, you did this. And even if I have not taken a weapon and actually ceased a human life with my bare hands, I've supported unjust wars in the past. When I was younger, I was foolish with that. Lord knows every single one of us is guilty of this. And the fact that we want it to happen, that every now and then when somebody that we hate dies and we celebrate ever so slightly in our hearts, it means that we love death. We love killing. And Jesus died for that. For every man that has abused and misused the things God has given him in a spirit of neglect, putting people's lives in danger because he just couldn't be brought to care enough, our Lord Christ died for that man. For every time we've hated somebody with such blackness of heart that we wished all of their people were dead, Christ died for that hatred. Do you see how over just half of these commandments, we can look at this and say, I am not covered by the blood of Christ in my baptism. Not just a little bit of water. Oh no, I am drenched in Christ's blood. With my sins, the amount of suffering that Christ went through, we cannot forget that he went to a cross, that for us is salvation, but strictly speaking, the act was murder, a violation of the fifth commandment inflicted on true God, second person of the Trinity. It was for the sake of our sins, but he still suffered at the hands of people who loved killing, who were happy that Christ had died, that celebrated it, that mocked him in his pain on that. And we cannot help seeing that and then looking at our own sins go, wow, that blood was shed for me. He died for all who have committed this sin, suffering that sin inflicted on him. And with as much as all of us here are guilty of violating the fifth commandment, of being murderers, of being neglectful, of wishing death on people on account of our own anger, instead of wishing for justice. Oh yes, for every single time, more of Christ's blood falls upon us. And while I understand that you did not kill our Lord Christ, that we did not personally put him there on the cross, and I know we're not the guilty party. If we were in the first century AD, wouldn't we have celebrated just a little? Wouldn't we have been happy just a little? The apostles themselves, we know Judas betrayed our Lord Christ that he might be murdered, killed unjustly. He is one of the twelve. And we love to criticize Judas. But any minister who studied at Jesus Christ University with three years of on-the-job training, 
we look at that man, Judas, and we are shocked, but not really, that a man who learned at the feet of our Lord Christ still loved killing to the point where he was even willing to sell his master to make sure he was put in a grave. So Christ died for that. Christ died for the men who had him killed. Christ died for the men who drove the nails into his hands and put a spear through his side. And interestingly enough, his death is the single greatest obedience to the fifth commandment that we could ever have imagined. Because the flip side of you shall not kill is that you shall preserve life. And his death was so that you can live eternally. In spite of us all being a gaggle of murderers. He died in order that in obedience to this greatest fifth commandment. Or in obedience to the fifth commandment. Greatest obedience of it ever. All who come to him will live but they will live eternally with a greater quality of life than they have ever experienced. Let us go forward then in this season of Lent, remembering our sins. Yes, that Christ has died for my violence. He has died for all of my sins, truly, indeed. But he also died that I might live forever. Now the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.